If you have your Bibles, uh, keep them handy. We're going to go to several verses of Scripture this morning. And while you're doing that, I want to talk a little bit about the heart of our Father. Now, many of you know uh, that dads are notorious for having wonderful, wonderful jokes, right? So in case you're short on any of those, let me share with you some deep, meaningful things. One person asked, how old is your father? The little child answered, he is six years. The person said, well, that's impossible. How can that be? The child said, well, he became a father only when I was born. You'll use that later today. I know that you will. Maria, I want you to go to the map and find North America. So she does. She says, here it is. Teacher said, correct. Now, class, who discovered America? Class, Maria. There's two for you. Teacher, Glenn, how do you spell crocodile? Glenn, K-R-O-K-O-D-I-A-L. No, that's not how you spell it. That's wrong. Glenn, well, maybe it's wrong, but you ask me how I spell it. Donald, what is the chemical formula for water? H-I-J-K-L-M-N-O. What are you talking about? Yesterday you said it is H2O. Some of you I see are taking notes and are going to use these later. One more. Clyde, your composition on my dog is exactly the same as your brother's. Did you copy his? No, sir. It's the same dog. <laughs> so there you go. So now you know about dad jokes, and so we're famous or infamous for those kind of things. Today, um, well, for the last little while, I don't know, how many of you have watched the film series The Chosen? Any of you, many of you, if you've not, man, I would highly recommend it. You can find it online on your app. It's free to watch. Uh, it, has, it really has been a way of telling us or telling us about Jesus in a very creative way. It, it allows us to, G, to see Jesus from a standpoint that maybe we're not used to seeing. Uh, sometimes we, they spend a lot of time of developing the characters of the disciples before they come to Jesus. They uh, Mary Magdalene before she comes to Christ. And so you get some of these backstories, but it's a wonderful way of seeing the heart of God. Jesus said, uh, really, in John 14, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. It sometimes is hard to know what God is like or who he is. And so God sent his son, Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I remember a couple of years ago when I happened to come across my cousin's son, Ben, Ben Radcliffe. They'll be, they're actually going to be with us next week for a little bit of part of our service. Um, and I remember seeing his baby picture. And I remember thinking, he looks an awful lot like my grandson. And so I took his picture and I took my picture of my grandson and I sent them to my daughter and I said, look at these two pictures. And she said, where did you get this other picture of Cam? 
I said, it's not Cam. That's my cousin's son's baby picture, Ben. But they looked an awful lot alike. If you would take his brother, Jackson, and put my picture next to him, you would say, my goodness, he looks like his grandfather or poppy as they call me. Many of you know my dad. Dad, put your hand up, wave to everybody over here. There he is right there. My dad's here, great. Some of you would say, if you have seen me, you have seen my father. I look a lot like my dad. And no doubt, probably you see family resemblance in your family as well. Um, but it gives us a good example about characteristics and things in families. And it's a wonderful example to follow. My dad is a wonderful example. He's been a great mentor and a model for, for me and my siblings and my family. But not everybody has that kind of an influence, and I understand that. So today, I want to talk about something a little different on Father's Day, which is really about our Heavenly Father and about being reminded of His love for us and some of those attributes that He has for each one. So if we could this morning, just take in your mind's eye, if we somehow could just get a hold of God and crack open his heart. What might we see? What might we find this morning in the heart of God for you and me? Well, the first thing we would obviously see is that he is holy and he is righteous. And he really does want us to live the same kind of life. He said in 1 Peter 1.16, you must be holy because I am holy. In Isaiah 6, 3, we get the, the, the verse that says, holy, holy, holy. And any time that a word in Scripture is repeated like that, it is a, an extreme emphasis. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. In the Old Testament, we might see God's presence as a shining light, that, a cloud that descends on the temple or in the, the, the Ark of the Covenant. But all of this means that he is holy. There is no sin in God. There is the, the moral laws he gives. It's not that there was some moral law that says, oh, I'm going, he's going to be like that. No, it comes from him. God is all love. He is all righteous. He is all holy this morning. In fact, in Isaiah 45, 21, it says, there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none but me. God invites us into his story. He invites us to live and to be like him. He knows. He knows the ravages of sin and how that destroys everything that it touches. It, sin will destroy families, businesses, relationships, finances, conversations, attitudes, responses. That's why he invites us to be holy to live holy lives. He wants us to become like him, to follow his example. Now, I've oftentimes said this. I've said it this way. I said many times a child's first glimpse of who God is comes through their example of their earthly father. So if an earthly father tends to be rather strict and unyielding and, and even sometimes uh, abusive, uh, then a child's idea of what God would be is strict and unyielding and 
uh, you know, un, for unforgiving. On the other extreme, if a father is very lenient, oh, just go and do whatever you want to. There's no, nothing, you know, everything's going to be okay. Then they see God as just, well, there's no consequences to my life. It's, it's too lenient and there's just, uh, well, God doesn't really care. So being a father, being an example, being someone of influence, we want to represent who God is to our families, to those around us. God calls us to be holy, to live like him. Um, the second thing that he is, is he's loving. God is loving. First John 4 says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to send us his son to die for us. What was the extent of his love for you and me? He's the one that takes the initiative, and I'll talk more about that in just a minute. In Romans 5, 8, it says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us when? While we were still sinners. When we were still in our sin, when we didn't know anything about God, it was God who sent, who started the ball. It was God who started the, the process of loving us. When we felt unlovable, he loves us. When we feel unwanted, he loves us. When we feel abandoned, he loves us. When we feel confused, he loves us. When we've failed him, he loves us. In fact, I heard it the other day. When I don't even love myself, God loves us. God loves us. In 1 Samuel 16, the prophet Samuel is looking for the new king. God says, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Just he brought all of his sons up and one by one, he was saying, well, this one, this one of my sons, he should be the king. And boy, he's got all the credentials. And God said, no, that's not the one. And went on down the line. And finally, is there any more sons here? And finally, they said, well, there's David. He's, he's out in the back 40 tending sheep. And he said, bring David. And when David came, we get this verse. God said, he's the one. He's the one that I want. You see, those kind of words were written for, as one commentator put it, for, for the misfits and the outcasts, for those times when we don't feel like we measure up or, or that God somehow has something different, even when we feel unworthy. A couple of examples. Moses was called by God, and yet when he was facing judgment, God still used him. When Jonah, who was called to go to the Ninevites, ran in the opposite direction, God still used him. Rahab ran a brothel. Sarah uh, ran out of hope. Lot ran out the wrong, hung out with the wrong crowd. But God used them all. In this example, who was David? When human eyes saw a gangly teenager, it was God who said, anoint him, for this is the one I want. You see, God sees us differently maybe than you and I see each other. There are times that we don't feel like we measure up or we have failed God, but God says, I see something in you 
I call you by name. I choose you. God saw what no one else saw. In David, he saw a God-seeking heart. David took after God's heart because he stayed after God's heart. And in the end, that's all that God wanted and needed. Others may measure your waist size or your wallet, one writer wrote, but not God. He examines our heart. And when he finds one that loves him, he calls it and he claims it. So not only does he Not only is God holy and not only is he loving, but in conjunction with that, he's the one that takes the initiative. Jesus told this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In essence, theologically, we might call that provenient grace. It's the grace that goes before. It's the grace that we didn't even know that God was extending to us. It's interesting, a note that about this passage is that our Heavenly Father loves each of us like we were the only one of us. Sometimes that's hard to understand, especially when we're new to the faith. It's hard to believe that with so many in the world that he would love even me. The passage reminds me of the joy that comes when one is found and returns home. That there is more joy in heaven over the lost sinner who repents and returns than the other nine who didn't stray. Maybe you've heard this illustration before. I've used it for years. It said there was a Spanish story of a father and a son who had become estranged. The son ran away and the father set off to find him. He, He searched for months to no avail. Finally, in a last desperate effort to find him, the father put an ad in the Madrid newspaper. This is what it read. Dear Paco, Meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. And on Saturday, 800 young men named Paco came searching and looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. The power of taking the initiative the power of a loving God to draw us to him. When our girls were small, what the scripture talks about is that when that shepherd found the the sheep, what did he do? He not only carried that sheep back to the fold, but he put that sheep on his shoulders. If you've had kids or grandkids, you know that sometimes your kids get tired of walking. And what do we do? We lovingly pick them up and sometimes we even put them on our shoulders. Now, when they're 16, it really gets really awkward when they're up there, but we try our best. But we carry them home because we love them. Here's the next thing. that If we would crack open the heart of God, what would we find? We would find that in the same way that we just talked about, in the same way there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed. Here's the next thing. He gives good gifts. 
Did you know that? That God gives good gifts. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 9, says, You parents, if you ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake? Well, of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? God wants to give us the desires of our hearts as they relate to his will and our relationship to him. Not in satisfying our own desires that stem from a sinful heart and that is contrary to his will. God is not trying to buy our love. Hey, I'll grant you your wishes. If you somehow will love me and serve me, no, that's not what we're doing. And so many times do you see, so many times do we see that we try to buy the love of our children. What children need are, is, love, is, is love and structure and even discipline. They want the, the love of their family is that God gives us good gifts. Remember that God is good and that everything he does comes from a heart of love. You can trust him. In fact, Charles Spurgeon said it this way many, many years ago, God is too good to be unkind, and he's too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace his hand, now I want you to get this last part, when we cannot trace his hand, we must trust his heart. When there are things in your life that don't make sense, when it seems like the, 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 the situations and, and we, we sometimes cry out, God, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're doing. And I don't know how it all fits together, but God, I can trust you. I can trust you that you will work those things out because I can trust you and I love you. Why? Why does he give good gifts? Why can we trust him? Well, he knows what we need. We crack open the heart of God. What do we find? We find that he already knows what we need. Matthew chapter 6 begins to say, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So be honest when you pray. Share your heart. God already knows. He knows he knows what, what, what you need. He already knows what you need. He wants to know, do you know that he knows what you need? One thing we, that so many struggle with is the fear of the uncertainty of how they should pray. I always encourage people, it's like having a conversation. In your mind's eye, I would pull a chair up. I'd get your cup of coffee. I'd turn off the television. I'd put away my, the stuff that I'm doing off my computer or off my desk, and I would simply close my eyes or don't even close your eyes. Do you know you can pray? Do you know you can pray with your eyes open? And it's okay. That when we talk, we're talking to God. We're saying, God, here's my heart. You know I'm struggling. You know the things that, I, that are way heavy on my heart. You, you know the things that I'm dealing with, God. You know my situation. And it's like having a conversation and allowing God. Sometimes we do all the talking and then we say, well, in Jesus' name, amen. And we forget to listen because God is interested in having that conversation with us. And you know what? God does talk to us. 
Now, yes, I would confess it would be much easier if there were some burning bush experiences and we could hear God say, thus saith the Lord. But how does he speak to us? He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, what we feel like God is talking to us about. And so when we're dealing with situations in our life, God knows exactly what we need. Our Father loves us more than we will ever understand or imagine in this lifetime. And He knows what we need even before we ask. And as His children, we need to stand in that truth and allow what is on our hearts to pour out to Him in thanksgiving, in prayer, and trust that our prayers are heard no matter how long we how well we pray because he already knows what we need before we ask him. And when we need help, let's crack it open a little bit farther. He said that he would give us a helper. In fact, he said in John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He's the spirit of truth. The world's unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit is our counselor, our comforter, our advocate. I remember that very poignantly as we were buying a home one time. And I'd never had purchased a home before. And do, do you know that they give you a lot of documents to sign when you buy a home? And I know that you're supposed to read each and every word of every document you sign. I get that. But there came a point in signing my name that what I did was I looked to my realtor and I said, is this what I'm supposed to sign? He said, yeah, that's all part of the process. And I signed my name. Why? Because I trusted the person that I was dealing with. He became my advocate. He became my counselor. He became my comforter. So knowing that what I was signing and what I was doing was going to be okay because I could trust him. The same thing is true with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever prayed for help or direction or inspiration and then in that moment all of a sudden got an idea? Or, or you felt like something, uh, there was a moment of inspiration. Where do you think that came from? It's the Holy Spirit. One writer put it this way, the Holy Spirit brings the presence of God to our world today. He works particularly in restoring and maintaining our fellowship with the Father. He brings conviction to sinners, urges us to live righteous lives, warns us of the coming judgment. He gives new birth and faith in God. And when we become a Christian, he lives in our heart. He illuminates our mind to the things of God. He inspires our mind when we read the Bible. He guides us into the truth. He brings us the presence of the living Christ. He intercedes on our behalf to the Father. He sanctifies our heart by faith, and he produces spiritual fruit in our lives. He gives us gifts and abilities for ministry in his church, and he works through the church to win new converts and to glorify Christ. D.L. Moody years ago put it this way, the Holy Spirit is God at work in our world today. The most significant work of the Holy Spirit is in the bringing of us 
into his presence and taking our thoughts and prayers to the Father. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. How do you pray when we don't know what to say? This past week, as I was praying, there were some moments I said, God, I don't have any words. I don't know what to say. So would you allow the Holy Spirit? Now, this, I don't know why this was a revelation to me when I said it this way. I said, God, would you let the Holy Spirit pray for me? For me. God, would you allow the Holy Spirit? I know the Holy Spirit takes my words to the Father, but have you ever thought that we could pray that the Holy Spirit could pray for us? To say, God, I just, I just need your presence. I just need to know that you're out there. I just need somewhere, some identification, some, some way of understanding that, that, God, I may not fully understand what's going on, but I trust your heart, and I'm going to pray that you would just pray for me because I don't have any words this morning. And you know what? I still didn't have any words, but I had a peace that only the world may not fully understand that when the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts, we can identify with. So what do we do? Here's next to the last. If we would open up the heart of God, would you understand this concept? That he disciplines those he loves. If Proverbs chapter three says this, my child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. Don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as the father corrects a child in whom he delights. If we can trust God and we believe that he loves us, then we know that there will be times that he will correct us. Why? Because he loves us. When you're raising your children, why do you discipline them? Because you love them. If you're training up a dog, you train a dog. Why? Because somebody in the family loves a dog. I'm not saying any names. I'm just saying somebody does. Wendy. <laughs> Remember everything that he does. He does because he loves you. Now, I've shared this illustration, but there are many who maybe don't remember. So I don't remember, Dad. You may remember this illustration. I think it was, man, it is so indelible in my brain. I can't remember. I think it was a Sunday night when we were in Rochester. And I was sitting right about where the Nielsens are sitting. And there was a door over here that led to the other part of the church. Now, I love to listen to my dad's preaching. And this was one of the first times that I got to sit alone away from mom by myself with my friends. Do you remember telling me the story? And somewhere in the scope of that message, Scott got bored. And Scott thought a drink of water would be handy. And so Scott decided to leave. Do you remember this? Good, I'm glad you don't. <laughs> so Scott got up and left the service, and as I was leaving, Dad called me from the front and said, Scott, sit back down. Remember telling this story? 
Don't you love how I'm using it in the third person? So Scott, in his infinite wisdom, decided not to sit down. Went out the door. Scott's friends showed up after that and said, well, I just knew there were going to be repercussions when I got home. We still believed in spanking back then. So I don't know about you. I'm just going to confess. I don't know if I went home and put on a couple of other pairs of underwear or whatever to soften the blow that I knew was coming my way or not. I don't remember. I remember somewhere in the discussion, Dad, told me that you love me. And instead of me getting the spanking that night, dad said, I'll take your punishment. No, no, that's not how that works. No, no, no. And so that night, dad got a spanking. Now, do you remember it? Just shake your head, yes. Yes, you do. Why? Because he loved me. Does God discipline? Sure, he does. But he disciplines us because he loves us. Everything God does, he does because he loves us. Never out of a vengeful heart. Never out of retribution. Never out of vengefulness. Oh, I'm going to get... No, not like that. Everything he does, he does because he loves us. And he's drawing us to him. And the same is true for the love of God. So here's my last point this morning. If we were going to crack open the heart of God, we'd find all of those things. But why? It's because he invites us into his family. First John 3, 1 says, See how very much our Father loves us? For he calls us his children. And that's what we are. That's what we are. We are his children. And not only does God love us, but he has adopted us into his family, calling us sons and daughters. And as Christians, we have to step into the full understanding of this that living our lives as through as though we believe this to be true. And it reminds me of how I felt the very first time I held my daughters and my grandkids. And you've heard me say this time and time again. I want them to know the very first time I held them, I prayed for them. Why? Because I loved them. And I would do anything as you would do anything for your family. My identity is in Jesus Christ. My, my identity is in Christ. It is not of this world. My, my status, my, 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 my identity is not in my status at work. My identity is not in my financial 401k. My, my status is not in my relationships. My status is not in my cultural standing of how the world might try to define me. My identity comes from Jesus Christ. 
And when I invite him into my heart, I become a child of God. And he says, welcome home. Aaron's going to come and the praise team's going to come and we're going to close this morning by singing a song entitled, Who You Say I Am. God, I am who you say I am. God, I thank you for the heart of a father. I'm thankful for my heritage. I don't, I don't begrudge that at all. But I also know that not everybody has that kind of a heritage. But I do know that we have a heavenly father that loves us. And this morning, lots of things can happen on a Father's Day. God, we invite, we invite you into my life. God, I'm thankful that you are inviting me into your family. God, I'm thankful for your love. I'm thankful that you are holy, that you're calling me out of this world to be more like you. God, I'm thankful that you give me good gifts, that you already know what I what I need before I pray, that God, all these things we've talked about this morning, my identity, my identity is in you, Lord. So this morning, my prayer for you today is that you would embrace that, that you would find that either here in person or joining us online, that you would understand that God loves you and that everything that he does, he, he does because he loves you and me. And this morning, as we sing this, would you just let this be your testimony? Would you allow God to forgive? Would you allow God to work in your life? Would you allow God to heal some things? Would you allow God to adopt you into his family this morning and to welcome you home? Stand with me this morning. Father, today as we sing this, I pray, dear God, that your Holy Spirit would be upon us this morning that your Holy Spirit would allow us to identify that of who we are, that we are part of you. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, because when we've seen him, we've seen the heart of the Father. And so, Lord, today we give you the praise and we sing this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, this morning, there's a place in my Father's house for each one of us. Today, as we go from this place, thank you for coming. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for joining us online this morning. God is good, and he's good all the time. Today's a good day for a good day. As we relish what we have in Jesus Christ, may we take that and identify with what he's done in our hearts and in our lives this morning. If you're one of our visiting guests online or here today, we're thankful that you're here today. We'd encourage you to stop by our welcome desk to pick up a free gift. If you're one of the men in our church or if you're one of our visiting guests, men, we please stop by the table back there and pick up something to take it home. May God bless you this morning. We hope to see you next week. Thanks for coming. May God bless you. You are dismissed.